Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Tonight's guest is Coach Richard Westerland, head men's basketball coach at Great Lakes Christian College. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here and share some thoughts on pressure basketball. So let's go ahead and talk just kind of like a history, if you would, of where your philosophy came from, what it is exactly, and anything else connected to it that you think people should hear. Yeah, so I mean, I, I've been a pressing coach since I started as a high school coach at Hartford Christian High School in Maryland. Um, I was looking for an identity for our program, something that would make us difficult to prepare for and also allow us to beat some of the tougher teams on our schedule. And it seemed like to me, pressing was really the best way to go about that. When I first got into coaching, it was that Shaka Smart Havoc era. It was right when VCU really popped off and made their run to the Final Four. And I just fell in love with pressure basketball. And since then, I just feel like I'm just trying to keep taking it up a notch every time. Um, you know, I, I want to figure out different ways to be successful. I know a lot of people say, hey, you can't win pressing uh, and you can't win big pressing uh, high level teams, which I, I disagree with. I think you can press anybody, anytime, anywhere. It's just a matter of how you execute it. So um, for me, it, you know, we live and die by the press. You know, I tell my guys, look, you're either going to figure out how to press this team or we're going to get blown out. You know, my guys know going into the season, we're not, we're not coming out of it. So they know you better fix it or we might be in for a long day. Before we get any further, I don't want people to think we just picked like some random coach to come on here that presses. Uh, you were just telling me the other day, kind of put it in context for people at the college level where you guys fit and kind of how that relates to everybody else. Yeah, so we are an NCCAA Division II team. I like to think we're pretty comparable to like an NAIA or D3 level, somewhere in that mix. And we've had a lot of success pressing. Like I was crunching the numbers over the last two years. And we are, there's only one team that in the country that has forced more turnovers and has more steals than what we have forced and, and gotten. And that is Greenville College in Illinois. And they're a team that runs the system that was made famous by Grinnell College. And I thought that was really cool to see that we are actually forcing more turnovers than Grinnell. We have more steals than Grinnell. And that's any level, Division NCAA Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI One, NAI Two. We're in the top two uh, pressing teams in the country. And, and we don't press exactly like the system where we're giving up a foul and we're selling all the way out to where we feel like we have to get a steal. But, you know, we want to pressure teams. And then that carries over into the half court as soon as they cross. If we can get them to cross half court, we're still pressing them and, and with our man pressure as they come across half court. So kind of you kind of have jumped into what I want to talk about next. What we talk about pressure defense, and that could look like a hundred different things. So what does it look like for you? And even maybe how has it evolved to put you in that position where you guys are ranked there close to the top? 
Yeah, so we, we have a couple different presses we use. The first press, which is our go-to, is our two-two-one, And I really took that from Vance Wahlberg. You know, I studied Vance Wahlberg really heavily with his two-two-one, And I've had to tweak it going into college because obviously, like anything, you need to make it your own. And so we've tweaked it. We don't run a, a complete Vance Wahlberg two-two-one. We've tweaked it to where I think we're applying a little bit more pressure and, and we switch some rotations out. So that's our main press that we use. Um, but we also have a diamond that we've used a lot more these last two years, which I have found to be really, really successful in a way to change the pace. And to be honest, this year, our diamond was probably our best press. Uh, we were able to force teams uh, to turn it over at a much higher rate in our diamond press than we were our 2-2-1. We also have a 2-2-1 half court trap where wherever the ball is, we're going to go trap the basketball, you know, so we're going to just run and jump. Uh, there is no rhyme or reason to it. We just tell our guys in the half court when we're playing that junk two, two, one, go make a play, go get the ball, go make them have to make a decision. They're not used to making, let's make a guy shoot a shot. They're not used to shooting and, and speed the tempo up because I think a lot of guys who want to press think it's not a success if you don't get a steal. Whereas for us, we talk about it. If we get a team to shoot a shot that they're not normally shooting and we're speeding them up, um, that's a win for us because it's also tempo. Or it could be they're taking off a little bit more time on the clock than they'd like to to get into their offense. We play, especially in Michigan, a lot of the teams here are very set heavy. Um, and when we can take them out of that time where they can normally get into their sets, we found a lot of uh, success in that way as well with our press. You were just telling me, and we don't have to get into the offensive side of things, but I have a lot of times I, I will hear we press so that we can get steals. And then the flip side, they'll say like, well, what happens if we're not able to get those steals and like they score easy layups or they get quick shots or whatever, but you had just mentioned it. So I, I want as coaches to hear this because I, you know, they may want to have a philosophy more like this but it has, it has been either like one extreme or the other. Like we press to get steals. Oh, we're not athletic enough to get steals. But for you, going back again to my original statement about your offense, you're really trying to create those extra possessions. Am I hearing that right? Yep, that is correct. So we averaged 93 possessions a game this year as a team, and that wasn't nearly fast enough for me. And we're not a team that works the ball on the shot blocks. Uh, if you look up our stuff on YouTube or – you find me on Twitter at Coach R West. Um, you're going to see my tagline is we shoot first, ask questions later. So we're playing pretty quick offensively. But again, for me, I want to be in that 100 to 120 range in a possessions per game. So again, for us, it's about tempo. Can we get a team playing faster than what they're used to? And typically when we get a team that I feel like we have a lot of talent in our program. So if we can play a team that's not as talented and make them have to play more possessions, getting more shots up, I feel like our team is going to win out. But on the flip side of it, if you don't have as talented of a team, getting more possessions, I think, also can help you as well. So I feel like I've been on both ends of the spectrum, and it's been able to help our, my teams out that are a little less talented, and it's also helped my teams out who've been a lot more talented. I'm really interested to look into this a little bit more because we've pressed more, and I'm wondering to hear from somebody who's done it and – even this past year, you and I had talked a little bit like going down the stretch, some of those really close games that you had. Do you feel like your press actually helped you come back a couple of times in those games? 
and I know that, and I know that sounds obvious, but I'm talking about from the creating the extra possessions, not like we were in trouble and weren't pressing, and then now all of a sudden we're going to press. But like I'm assuming in those games, you pressed from the start to the end, still, right? Yep, yep. And, and I think the beautiful thing about the press is, and we have a statement in in our program is we're a 6-0 run away from making something special happen. Uh, whether that means blowing the game open, where we're going to get a lead and not surrender it, or you know we're down. You know, in the national championship game last year, we were down 25 at the half. And I just kept telling our guys, we're a 6-0 run away, 6-0 run away. We're down 18 with six minutes to go in the national championship game. And our guys still believed, hey, we're one, we're one or two turnovers away from getting right back in it. And that's really what happened in that national championship game. We forced three straight turnovers. We hit three straight threes back to back to back. And our guys were back in it down nine. And, and from there, we felt like we were going to win the game. And ultimately, we lost on a last second shot, but our press was what I felt like got us back in there. And we did the same thing in our regional semifinal down 25 at the half to Johnson coming all the way back. It was our press that really got us back into it, you know, forcing some turnovers, getting them sped up. You know, the last play of the game, their player got sped up and threw it 10 feet over their seven footer. That's pretty hard to do, but that was a byproduct of us speeding them up over the course of the game that when it got to crunch time, Pressure bursts pipes, pressure makes diamonds. I tell our guys that. And I like to think our pressure bursts a lot of pipes. You know, we really believe that our press is a reason why we won a lot of games. I mean, Stink, we were down, I think it was 36 on a team in the second half against Voorhees College earlier this year. We cut it all the way down to, I think, six points with three minutes to go. So we made a 30-point swing in a matter of 10 minutes because of our press. We ended up losing by 11, but again, like, our press has kept us in games and have allowed us to be able to come back in games that we had no business coming back in. You already talked about the number of possessions you're shooting for. Are there any other statistics that you're looking for in relation to we need to have this tonight in order to be successful? Uh, we're always looking for 20 turnovers. That's just sort of the the number that, that we, we try and try and get. You know, we've averaged for some 20 turnovers. So I know whenever we're at that 18 to 20 turnovers a game, you know, forced that we're, we're having a good night. You know, I don't really look at the steals as much. Obviously, live ball turnovers really help a lot. But if we can force a team into 20 turnovers, we feel really good. And then I'm looking at points off of turnovers because obviously that's the big thing. We can press and force teams into turnovers. But if we're not capitalizing off of those turnovers, that's a really big deal. So there was a game we had, uh, we lost to, Grace Christian, uh, who was currently number two in the country. We were number one. And we forced Grace into 21 turnovers. But we only had 12 points off of those turnovers. So to me, that game, we did not do a great job pressing because we didn't convert off of those turnover opportunities. We didn't make them pay. So for all the work we were doing, we weren't being efficient. So I'm looking at the number of turnovers, and I'm looking at the points off of turnovers. Because really, that's the whole reason why we're doing it, is to get easy baskets um, and for our team in particular, when we see a transition three go in, the floodgates open for us and we start hitting a lot more threes. So, you know, when we're not being, when, when we are not capitalizing off those turnovers, that's frustrating for me as a coach, because that's the whole point of us pressing is to capitalize. So I hear a lot of coaches say, we're not able to press because we are too, and then they'll lose some sort of physical characteristic like we're not athletic enough we're too short so my question to you is how much of it is 
physical attributes and how much of it is kids buying in, coach teaching it well, executing it in the game? Well, you know, I, I've had teams that weren't athletic and we pressed. And I've had teams that obviously my team the last two years at Great Lakes is we've been super athletic, super long. And I think that's allowed us to be as successful as we are. But I believe you can press with any group of guys. Obviously, if you're not as athletic and not as big, you're relying on angles and, and your principles have to be sharper. When your back row is 6'5", six, 6'5", five, six, five with really long athletes, you know, they can, uh, they can get away with, you know, making a bad read here and there because they're so long. But as if you're smaller and, and less athletic, you do have to be sharp. But again, I think that goes back to your angles. And the big thing we talk about in our press is the quarter system. We divide the court into four quarters for a, a, almost every court that uh, there's out there, there's volleyball lines on it. So I just divide it as, as one volleyball line to the sideline is the outside quarter right? Then you have inside the volleyball lines is the inside quarters and the other outside line, sideline and volleyball line is the other. And we tell our guys, just get to your cores. If the ball's on the outside quarter, everybody is on that half of the floor. And if you can get to your quarters, you're going to solve 95% of your problems. So believe it or not, for us, we just tell our guys, get to your quarters. And then from there, you're going to go make a play. We tell, we try not to overload our guys with a lot of things they have to think about. Because the more you think, the slower the feet. And, and I can't afford our, for our guys to be slow with their feet, especially with some of the teams that we want to press. I mean, we, we pressed William Penn University, who was a top five NAI one in the country this year. And we forced them into 29 turnovers. It was the most turnovers they had all year. Um, and a lot of people said, you can't press them because of how fast they played. Well, we pressed them. We found some success. And uh, they still beat us. But again, like it was a shootout. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I think it ended up being like 118 to 100. Like it was a close game up until the last three minutes. But again, you know, you can press anybody, I believe. Again, it, we talk about quarters and then we just try and simplify it for our guys. So again, they, they don't have to think, especially if you have guys who are slow of feet, you want to make sure you simplify it as much as possible so they can just go out there and be instinctual. I mean, I think that's the big thing when you want to press is, you know, you're telling your guys, hey, you got to go make a play. And I tell guys this all the time, too, who want to press. There is zero possible chance you can prepare your guys to see every way that your press can be broken. You can't prepare them for every way. So at some point, your guys are going to have to see it and fix it. So we work a lot on trap transitions. They break a trap. How do we get back, you know, the see it, fix it mode? And really, honestly, it's in trap transitions where we get most of our turnovers, where they beat the first level of the press and they think, oh, we're done. We don't have to worry about it, but we're still chasing hard behind and we're getting them in back pursuit. So I think that's the big thing is making sure you guys understand that it's okay if you get beat the first level, but it's just outworking people, you know, and at Hartford Christian, a high school, you know, we, we did not have an athletic team. I mean, we were not the most athletic team, but we relied on our angles and our kids just played their tails off. You know, uh, if you have kids who want to fly around and work hard, you've got a chance. But if you got guys who want to just uh, not play hard and, and only give it half effort, you're going to really struggle to be a good pressing team. I have a few questions here that coaches submitted, so I want to go ahead and get into these because they have to deal a lot with some of the things that you already touched on. First one that I had is somebody asked, is there such a thing as too much pressure? Do you ever feel like, I'm giving up too many layups. We're getting beat too much. Let's quit on this or stop it or pull it off. 
No, no. I, we, we actually track how many layups we give up in the press. So that way we can make adjustments where we need to. But to me, there is no such thing as too much pressure. You don't get beat for the defense you play. You get beat for how you're playing the defense. So, you know, for me, it's, okay, what are they doing? To, and then we have to make the adjustment. You know, we play a team. There's a team we get to play basically four times a year. And at this point, they know every single part of our press. And, and sometimes they beat us. Sometimes they don't beat the press, you know. And we've had a lot of success turning them over. But there will be spurts where for six straight minutes, they have no problem beating our press. Um, so we have to make an adjustment in, in how we're guarding it, whether that be taking away the middle flash or they a lot of times like to bring their big all the way down into the middle so they're overloading it. So how do we make that adjustment so that way we're taking away the one place they want to go? And, and ultimately, within the first couple of minutes of them running one press break, typically we can figure out, hey, this is what they're trying to do, and this is how we're going to cover it. Um, another thing that we like to do, and this is why we have variety in the way we press, is we'll switch the press up. Not too many teams will spend too much time trying to break both of our presses. They're going to pick one or the other, diamond or, or, or we call it double fist, our 2 2 one. They're going to pick which one they want to break more. So, you know, typically we can change the pace with one if someone's getting used to, to our 2 2 one we'll go to the diamond or, you know, if they're getting used to the diamond, we'll fall back into our two, two, one and give them a different look. Um, and really like, I didn't even teach my guys this year. Like this is just them, you know, saying, Hey, we want to press and we're going to try some different things in a game. They showed diamond. And then as soon as the ball passed in, they dropped into a two, two, one and it confused the crap out of everybody that we're, we were playing because they were going for their diamond press break. And then we dropped into a two, two, one. And I didn't even tell the guys to do that. You know, it just, we fell into it, you know, and, and it worked really well for our, for our team when we did do that. So to me, there is no such thing as too much pressure, you know, obviously figure out how they're, how they're breaking it. If they are breaking it, what are, what are, where are you breaking down at and make those adjustments. But again, you, you cannot be halfway pressing team. If you're halfway pressing team, you're going to get beat all the time because your kids are going to be like, Oh, if we don't work hard, coach is just going to come out of it anyways. You know, I literally tell our guys, look, we're either going to get beat by 40 or 50. Or you're going to figure this out because I'm not coming out of it. And I tell our guys, I, I've been beat by a lot worse than 40 and 50. A loss to me isn't going to hurt me. You know, it's going to be whether, whether you guys want to get up off the ground and fight, you know? So a lot of it is me challenging our guys. Hey, we're going to press. So you better either figure out how to press or you better transfer out of here because we going to press. A quick timeout podcast is brought to you by 323 sports. If you're looking for a team dealer with great prices, top-of-the-line apparel, and second-to-none customer service, then 323 Sports has to be your choice. 323 Sports will do it right for you and your sports program. Visit 323sports.com or contact sales at 323sports.com to get in contact with a team rep today. It brings up another question that I have. How many players do you play? And then also, if you were a back in high school and you only have the players that were brought to you and let's say that you had eight, how would that change how you press? It doesn't change anything for me. I, we only really play seven or eight now. So hmm. guys who say you need to have 10, 11 guys to press, it makes it a lot easier to have that depth. Mm -hmm. But by the time I get to, you know, late January, February, March, I'm only playing the seven guys who can put the ball in the hoop and press. I mean, I, I don't play more than that when I get, when it gets late in the year. It's great to have depth. I think depth is overrated. 
obviously if I had 11 dudes who I thought could press, put the ball in the hole and help me win, then I would play those 11 dudes. But, you know, I've typically gotten away with pressing with seven to nine guys. More often than not, it's been seven to eight. And, you know, I just tell my guys, look, we're going to ride the horses. So, you know, you better get in shape. And, and a lot of what we do in our practice involves a lot of running. We do a lot of up and down. We do a lot of sprinting. And again, you know, with our drills, we try and prepare them to get to fatigue. And, you know, we have a statement in our, our program, fatigue makes a coward of us all. So, you know, we want to make sure that fatigue, like we're not going to get fatigued. We don't want to put our hands on our knees. You know, we want to make sure that no one can smell blood in the water but us. And it's really just a mentality to tell other teams, look, we're not going to quit. You can keep, you know, hitting us and keep coming at us, but we're going to keep coming at you just as much. So it's we're really trying to instill that mentality in our kids that we're going to finish and we're going to outlast our opponents no matter how well conditioned they are. We're going to go one more than they did. You mentioned a couple of the drills. You don't have to explain drills, but what do you do to practice that and to rep that in practice? As far as developing mentality? Uh, the mentality and then also just somebody had asked a little bit earlier about the actual drills that you use. I mean, are you using, you know, one-on-one on air? Are you doing small-sided games? Like what are you doing to simulate the full court as well as just your, your half-court pressure defense? So there's a couple of drills that we like to do. We don't do a, little, a lot of the on-air stuff because the goal is, is that they're doing it naturally, that they're moving while the ball's in the air. If I see that we're struggling with that, we'll do a lot of, hey, you got to move while the ball's in the air and we're just doing skip passes and basically the guys are sprinting. But they hate that because they feel like it's running without a purpose. You know, they want to go get a steal. So, you know, the drill that we use a ton is, is circle press. And basically we have our guys around the free throw line, two teams of five, and they're just running in a circle. And then as soon as I shoot a layup and I'll call out a team and they have to put on the press we're working on at that time. And we don't really stop it for anything. You know, we let the guys keep playing until the press is broken. Uh, or if it's a live ball turnover, we let our guys keep playing in the live ball. So, you know, it's very little stoppage and we want our guys to play as much of it game speed. So like if, for instance, if we get a live ball turnover, they come down, hit a three, right? They're getting right back into the press, you know? So we're working on our transitions as much as anything. Because the, the last thing you want as a pressing coach is for somebody to inbound it and, and beat you down the floor before your press is set up. So if that ever happens, I, I just stop the play and I just yell at whoever didn't get back to their spot. And if it's a second time they made that mistake, then we're pulling them out, you know, because again, we want to get to our press as quick as possible. So on that make, we're not trying to celebrate. It's, hey, we need to get, get back into our press. Another drill that I really like for us is trap transition. And that's where you start your guys in a trap, you know, so you have your two guys in a trap. And you can put this in any of your trapping zones. For me, we trap the ball anywhere. You know, I don't care where we trap the ball. We're going to trap the basketball. I know a lot of people say sidelines, corners, you know, right over half court. For us, we don't care where we get the trap. To us, if we get a trap, that's great because then there, somebody has to make a play. And, and I think that my guys will make more plays than the other team's guys. That's just the faith I have in my players. And I tell our guys, go make a play. Don't be a spectator. If you want to be a spectator, you can be in the stands, you can be on the bench. But if you want to be a player, you're going you're gonna to go react to the ball. So we'll trap anywhere. So a lot of times we'll trap it in different zones on the court. And then basically they have to stay in the trap for five seconds. The, guy, the offensive player is pivoting for five seconds. And as soon as those five seconds are done, he's throwing it. 
And a lot of times it, it's a numerical advantage and that offensive player is pushing and our guys have to transition out of the trap into, hey, now we're transitioning into our half court defense. You have to guard, you have to mark up. So again, a lot of times it, with pressing too, when in those transitions, we've been blessed. We have a lot of guys who are pretty versatile, who can guard multiple positions. So we say just guard the closest one too, and then we'll switch when we can. So yeah, sometimes that means our 6'2 guy is guarding, you know, the 6'8 big man, you know. But again, we're hoping that that guy will go into a ball screen situation where we can, we can get into our trapping of our ball screens or, you know, the pressure is so strong that the guard can't see the big man has a 6'2 guy on him. So I love trap transition because, again, it just gets our guys transitioning, okay, hey, the press is broken. How do you guard in the half court now so you're not giving up a bucket? You know, because that's the big thing is you don't want to be giving up points, you know, after the press is broken. So we practice our press getting broken and how do we transition out of that? Uh, typically, it'd be about at the three-point line. Um, okay. We call that the umbrella zone. And, and that's the only zone where we don't cheat. You know, um, a lot of people say you have the pressure zone, the cushion zone, and then the umbrella zone. You know, to me, I say it's pressure zone all the way up until where about the, the three-point line. And after that, that's the, that's the umbrella zone where we're not looking to cheat. We're not looking to gamble there. You know, we want to play solid half-court defense up in our denies, trying to keep guys on one half of the floor. And then really what's been really good to us too is, you know, in ball screen defense, we trap. That's our only coverage we have. And it's unique because, again, you don't have a lot of college teams who just blitz the, the ball handler. I have not seen – we have not played anybody this in the last two years who trap ball screens. We were the only one that I saw trap ball screens. So, again, it gives us another identity that people have to prepare for, especially if they're a ball screen heavy team, which you're seeing a lot more teams using the ball screen. So it's another method to our to our madness and to our pressure that, okay, if they're going to run a ball screen, guess what? We're trapping. And we don't let guys reject ball screens. You know, if we get – if there's a rejection in the ball screen, goodness gracious, I, our, our guys know how ticked off I get about that because literally you have one job. And when you see the ball screen, it's just force them into the ball screen. You know, your big man's going to be there. And then the second step to that is if our big man's hip gets clipped, I am ticked off at him too, because that's his one job. Don't let your hip get clipped, keep them out, make them retreat. And then we'll get them 30 feet away from the basket where they're not ready to make the play that they want to make. And then we're in cheating mode again, where we have two on two guys on one. So everybody else is guarding too. speak to the high school coach that's listening to this. If you were back in high school and you, well, I guess, how many presses would you use and where on the floor would they be? So I guess I'm asking, like, are, are you all full court? Are you throwing in some half court? Are you, because I, I know for somebody like you, who's like, you're all in on it, you probably would have one or two more presses than like, but without being the half pregnant that you just talked about. So it's not like we're going to just do one or whatever. Like if they're going to really be a press team and do it well, what would you say as far as how many to have and then suggestions for what would be best? So when I was a high school coach, we had two presses. We didn't do the diamond at all. That was something that I adopted when I got into college. We did the two, two, one. A lot of it was because the athletes we had 
we didn't have great athletes at Hartford Christian. Uh, we just did not have the guys who were gazelles, run, jump. You know, we just had, you know, we had, you know, decent athletes. We had soccer players playing basketball, you know, and we said, hey, these guys can't, our guys couldn't shoot either. I mean, we were, we were not a very good shooting team. So we said, can we get these guys in the open floor where they make layups? Because that's one thing we could do. We could make layups. So we just used our 2-2-1. We had a high pressure 2-2-1, which was our red. We used colors in high school. And I used hand signals in college. So we got in college, our 2-2-1 high pressures, the double fist. And then we had a, a gaps only 2-2-1, which was more of a tempo press. And that's our single fist. So, um, and we found a lot of success in, at the high school level with those two presses where, again, one's applying the pressure. We want to try and turn people over. And then the other one is, okay, let's get a 10 second call. Let's just delay the attack, stay in our gaps and making the team have to beat us over the top. They're not going to beat us over the top. They're just going to have to take space as we back up. How frequently would you say, if you're going to do it and do it well at the high school level, are they, should they be pressing every possession? And you can even go into maybe some tips and tricks. You know, are you doing it right after ATO or free for it to be effective is what I'm saying. So, I mean, I think it depends on, on what your team is, you know, at, at, at Harford, our first year, we did it a ton out of free throws, and then we probably did it on 50% of the makes uh, as we were trying to install a system. And we saw there, that there was some success. And then that next year, we said, okay, let's try free throw and 75% of the makes. You know, and, and again, we found a lot of success where you know, at the high school level, we were forcing, I think it was 26 uh, steals a game, or 25 steals a game, and I think it was like 34 turnovers per game. And that allowed us to be because we could not shoot. I mean, like I said, our offense was egregious, but it gave us a chance to stay in games because, you know, and, and with that, we were in high school, we were 2-2-1 two, two, into a 2-3. Because again, you know, we want to say, okay, let's make these kids shoot. Typically at the high school level, you only have one kid who can really knock down a three-pointer consistently a lot of times, in my opinion. So we said, we're going to take our odds and say, hey, let's make these guys beat us. And we held teams to 42 points a game. You know, our, our standard was, they get no more than 10 points a quarter. So we put those goals with our players and we said, look, you get, you get money in the bank. So if you hold a team to eight, you get eight, you know, but that doesn't mean you get to go give up 12 the next quarter. Like let's keep them at 10. Like that's the max you get. And we, we actually ran our guys for when they didn't hold a team under 10. And, and it was just like an incentive for them. I have not found that to be successful at the college level, just with the amount of possessions there are. You can't say, hey, how fast we play. We're not going to hold a team in the 60s. It's just not going to happen. But we look at different things as far as point per possession. What can we hold them at? You know, field goal percentage, uh, three-point field goal percentage. What are we doing to prevent teams from shooting the three against us? Because a three is a valuable part of our offense. And in pressing, you know, you don't want to give up layups and open threes. So what can we do to defend to make sure those two things aren't happening? I don't want to expose you, but, I mean, tell me, and this could even be like what what gives you trouble or what causes problems from from your team's perspective. Like when we aren't doing this, and I'm I'm asking this question so that coaches can those are the things they can work on in practice, or those are the things that they can make sure like to tell their players, hey, you need to make sure that you're doing this so that this doesn't happen. Although I will say this real quick from just from listening to you, it sounds like we feel like a lot of times like perfection is the, so you, you got to get that trap. And if you don't get it, like things are screwed up. And it seems like with you, like if, if we didn't get the trap, there's a chance that we might be able to get the next one. 
and almost being like positive and, and having those, you know, it's okay, let's, let's try for the next one. But what are the things that either do give you trouble or that you're saying to your guys, don't let this happen, or if this happens, make sure that you do this because we can still have a successful possession. So, you know, and I've told a lot of people this that have talked to me about my press this year. You know, this was my most talented group I ever had this year for pressing. But like, and the numbers would support, we had a really good pressing year. I mean, we forced 20 turnovers a game. Our turnover percentage in our press was 38%. People only scored on us 20% in our press. You know, we averaged 12.2 steals a game. But to me, I felt like this was one of my pressing teams that was the worst because yes, they got the minimums, but this was a team that should have had 18 steals a game and forced them 30 turnovers a game. You know, so some of the things that have trouble the trouble I have with some groups is okay. Work rate, you know, like it's, it don't just be okay with getting 12 steals. Let's go get 16, 18 because defense is our offense. You know, another thing that could, that has potentially given us trouble is teams that have directly attacked our press have done a really good job against us. I use Grace Christian as an example because they're a team that plays us four times a year. And typically they'll go through a six minute spurt where they're directly attacking the press and they do a good job breaking us down uh, with speed, you know, like no pressing team likes to be, you know, pressed. That's the reality. Like when we played Voorhees, they were the best pressing team in NAIA, you know, this year, I think they forced close to 20, I think it was 25 turnovers a game. They did a great job. You know, they didn't like being pressed and by golly, we didn't like being pressed. So we played two of the best pressing teams in the country, regardless of level this year in Grinnell College and Voorhees. Both those games, we turned, we got turned over, I believe it was 28 times against Grinnell and 32 times against Voorhees. And we're a team that presses every day in practice, but we didn't like being pressed. So guys who attack a pressing team, a lot of times those teams don't like being attacked. So that's something that we've had, we had trouble with this year. Um, that we're hoping to make an adjustment with. But guys who are, you know, direct and, and intentional in the way they attack typically have more success against us. But again, you know, I tell, I tell our guys this too, you know, what's your work rate? You know, because a lot of times I feel like, you know, hey, we can, we can work harder. Um, we live off of guys who are indecisive. When we see a guy that's indecisive, I mean, we're just so excited to go, you know, eat him up because we know, he's about to turn it over and, and you can tell for, and a lot of times walking into a gym you can tell if a team is ready to play our press or not last thing before i let you go you had mentioned this earlier but uh, where people can connect with you to maybe ask you some questions about pressure d or, or find out more about your program yeah you can uh, follow me on twitter or instagram at coach r west uh, my email is r westerlund w-e-s-t-e-r-l-u-n-d at glcc.edu. Uh, if you message me on Instagram or Twitter, I'll give out my cell phone number as well to anybody who wants to talk pressing basketball. I'd love to go over that with you. Again, I, I love to share. You know, I, I believe in pressing basketball. I believe in the benefits. It's given us an identity here at Great Lakes Christian College, and I couldn't be more proud of the identity we have. So again, if anybody would like to talk to me about pressing basketball or any questions, please reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Coach R. West or shoot me an email and I would love to share. Awesome. That's Coach Richard Westerland of Great Lakes Christian College. Coach, thanks for being willing to do this with me. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me on. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.